The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Our sermon this morning is, is based on a word from Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 5, and we're quickly coming to an end of the sermon series. And here, Jesus, we're really arriving at a climax. Um, next week will be the ultimate climax of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So counterintuitive, so countercultural, where Jesus is actually going to say, love your enemies. And here today, he's going to say, um, forgive your debtors. An amazingly countercultural thing to do. So I want to ask you to, 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 to please stand. And we're going to read from, from Matthew chapter 5. So if you're listening at home, um, page open your Bibles, Matthew 5, 38 to 42. And if you're with us here at the church, we're right there on page 10 in your bulletins. Here's what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you. And do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Scott Peck wrote, a controversial but also popular book called The Road Less Traveled. And in it, he gives this statistic. He says, 90%, a full 90% of, of mental illness is caused by a person's inability to forgive themselves, a neighbor, or God. 90% of mental illness is caused by a lack of forgiveness. Imagine that. A controversial claim, to be sure. Another book came out in, in the 1990s and that lit the world on fire. It made the New York Times bestseller list. It's called Happiness is a Choice. Maybe you've read it. Happiness is a Choice. That book makes another controversial claim. It says that 80% of depression is caused, I'll read it for you, is caused by unresolved anger. And there are those that claim today that that statistic, 80% of depression caused by unresolved anger, or hearts that, that are retaliatory is remarkably stable. 
Depression is actually just simmering anger, they say, about circumstances, about what people have done and what God has done in your life. Now, there's a lot of controversy around those statistics, but if they are even close to being right, 90%, 80%, if they're even close to being right, then the human being has a problem with, with hearts that, that want revenge, with hearts that want, we call it justice, with hearts that, that lack forgiveness. And what Jesus wants to move into this morning is exactly that area. And I want to help you this morning, using Jesus' words, I want to help you this morning to, to identify in your life areas that have unresolved anger and, and unreconciled relationships. I want to help you to do that. I want to then apply the balm and, and discern with you God's own heart. And, and finally, I want, to, I want to show you then what this, what this forgiving heart looks like both inside and outside. And I want to start, first of all, by, by discerning our, our retaliatory hearts. Jesus said this, You have heard that it, is, that it was said, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. That's in the Bible. And it was always meant, it was always meant to be a civil law to be applied equitably in civil courts by civil magistrates. But never personally. But the vengeful human heart looked at the Bible and started using it as a justification to take personal revenge and seek personal justice for what's gone, gone wrong in our lives. And Jesus then, he goes on to help us to see and name situations where this might come up. So he takes us basically in every area of life. He says, I'm going to show you where in your heart you want an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. First, he takes us into a social, social situation. You've been slapped. It's not an act of violence. We know it's not because it says that it hits you in the right cheek and most people are right-handed. So you know what that's called? It's not a slap of violence. It's a slap of it's a backhanded slap that ends on your right cheek of humiliation. You've been humiliated. And that can happen a lot of different ways. Sometimes with the slap and sometimes with just someone mocks you. But what do you immediately want after that? You want it made right. Don't you? So he takes us into these social, social situations. Then he takes us into, into what we might call a legal situation. Someone is taking you to court and suing you. And what do you immediately want to do after you've been sued? You want to countersue. And then Jesus takes us into an act of government overreach. So soldiers used to conscript people and make them work unjustly. He takes us into that, that, that example of government injustice and government overreach, and he says, if they want to take a mile from you, you go two miles. We wouldn't even want to give them one. 
And then Jesus takes us to one final situation, we might call it an economic situation, where somebody borrows money from you and they don't pay it back. And we know that when people don't pay it back, it puts a strain on the relationship. They owe me money, they know it, and I know it. Jesus, he, he takes us into all these different situations and he shows us that what the natural inclination of our hearts is to hold it against people. An eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Now sometimes this happens in really extreme ways. You might, you might put the harm that is, is committed against us in, on, a, on a scale. On, on the one hand, like on the one hand, we think about like Me, uh, Herman Melville's uh, Moby Dick. You know that novel? It's a classic now. Where, where Moby Dick the whale took Captain Ahab's leg and then Captain Ahab dedicates his life to ending Moby Dick's life. And he does. And they're both dragged, the end of the story, into the heart of the sea. You see, if you are seeking revenge, the old proverb goes, the old aphorism goes, dig a grave for two. There's that one extreme where you lose a leg. But then there's the other extreme where maybe it's just little things. And it's like death by a million cuts, one thing after another. I remember this woman sitting in front of me, and it's not that her husband had done, had done one big act to, to sabotage their marriage. She, she took a little piece, piece of paper to represent it, and she tore it up. She said, Pastor, look, and she filled up a cup. She said, I can't take it anymore. It was death by a thousand cuts, and she was holding it all up, in our heart. Sometimes I don't think we even notice it, how we hold these things against people. But if you pay attention to the little things that you do, you'll recognize it. You'll discern it, that, that you're holding these things up in your heart and treasuring them up like Mary did. Like, like sometimes when someone walks in the room, I made a list. I, I made a list of these little things that we do. Somebody walks in the room and you roll your eyes. Well, that's an unreconciled relationship, isn't it? Or, or a person walks in the room and they annoy you. Oh my goodness, do they annoy you? Be why? You're holding something against them. Or maybe, maybe you decide that you're just going to cut that person out of your life and then you hear that something bad happened to them and there's a little part of you, there's a little part of you that was like, thank goodness, maybe they'll learn their lesson now. Or maybe, maybe um, you just avoid these people that have hurt you. You're like, I'm just done with them. And if they come into the room, you walk right out. You're what you're really doing is you're holding a grudge. You, you're, you're paying them back for what they did. And I, I could continue. Like, There's friction between them. There's a certain coldness that happens. And when you really think about it in that way, isn't it true? Isn't it true that we have all, like all, the relationships... The damaged relationships, it's like a graveyard, isn't it? All these little things that are out there, see. And we need to see that. Like, we need to, to be able to discern that, that it wasn't just the Pharisees of Jesus' day that wanted an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? 
I can't stop there. Because once we've, we've discerned that we've got a problem with this. Like I, I, I even hear it in my own household. She started it. And I'm finishing it, is what they don't say. Once we recognized our need and discerned it, then we know where to put the bomb. So what I want to do next is discern God's heart. And what a lot of people don't realize here is that Jesus is not negating the lex talionis. That's what they called it. The eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. He's not negating it. In fact, he's upholding it. He's saying, what you must never do is take personal revenge. You must never do it on your own account outside the courts. But Jesus has said, God has established a way for you to get justice in the civil courts. Well, you say, well, well, Pastor, I won't get justice there. They won't believe it. Well, we, we have another resource. You see, God is a God of justice. He establishes courts, but then there's the one big court. Isn't there? God has said, justice and vengeance is mine. And the day will come. The day will come when those who have transgressed against you, the day will come when those who have sinned against you will meet with God in his holy court. We confess it. We'll confess it in just a little bit. He will come to judge the living and the dead. And so one of the great resources that we have as people who have been harmed and offended and sinned against is to recognize that God is just. There will be an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You're just not going to get it yourself. You have to understand that. But there's a second resource as well. And it's the gospel message. You know what, you know what everybody said? Like every single commentary, every single preacher who, who looks at this text, they will say, that not only did Jesus teach this, He lived it. In our place. The high priest had someone slap him in the face. Jesus turned the other cheek. They took Him and, and, and they nailed Him to the cross one hand after another, one foot after another, and then they took his cloak. You remember this? They took his cloak and gambled it away, and then Jesus prayed on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them. Mm. Jesus, he lived under a government that, that unjustly executed him, like, this, was, this is the greatest example of government overreach. They killed God's own son, and yet Jesus let them do it. Why? To reconcile God's relationship with us. To pay for, for our sins of vengefulness, our cold shoulders, our nasty emails, you know, the time that we got out of the car and yelled at someone because they took our parking spot. You know, all of those different things, he paid for them. 
So that now that there, there's a fountain, there's literally, like the book of Zechariah says, there's a fountain of blood. So that we might be washed clean, oh so clean, forgiven and reconciled to God. Our God is, is not only a God of justice, He will bring it, but He's also a God of forgiveness. And when we, when we discern that heart, when we see in our own hearts our tendency to vengefulness, and, and we discern God's heart, His tendency, actually His offer, His full forgiveness, the full reconciliation, then, then that moves us, doesn't it? And so there's one last thing I want to do with you, is, is look at, life after the gospel with you. And here's how Jesus puts it. Look at verse 39. Jesus puts it this way. I tell you, do not resist an evil person. I want to read that again. This is the very heart of his teaching now. I tell you, do not resist an evil people or evil person. I want to break open what that means for you by telling you what it doesn't mean. I saw a video. I saw a video of of a person near my home and this for whatever reason this is happening often in New York City where people get on these scooters. You've probably seen these videos too and then they'll see like an old man walking along the sidewalk and these these guys on scooters will will take their backpack or their purse. And I saw a video like that. And, and imagine this. This didn't happen in the video. But imagine this. If, they, if the guys come along and they take the backpack and then they're, they're getting on their scooter and riding away and then the guy calls out, Wait! You forgot to take my iPhone too. Here. And Jesus isn't saying, don't, he's not saying to do that. Or maybe you've heard the parable of the, of the super Christian, the super saint with lice. Have you heard this parable? Where the super saint with lice, they, 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 they decide not to treat the lice. Like, like the lice are eating away, you know, at their skull. And then someone asks them, well, why aren't you killing the lice? And they say, well, Jesus said, don't resist evil. He's not saying that. He's not saying that, is he? What he is saying is that Christians will take the resources of the gospel. The truth that there is justice and it will come one day, either in the courts or in God's great court. The truth that we are forgiven and there's a great, strong, redemptive love and they will apply it in their life One great preacher put it this way, that when the world becomes a hammer, the Christian becomes an anvil. We practice strong, redemptive forgiveness, or we could put it like Elsa did in Frozen. Let it go. And trust the gospel. Let it go. That's what Jesus means. Now you're singing the song, aren't you? 
Now, this is going to look, I want to give you two examples of what this might look like in your heart then. Sometimes, God does a miracle. I read a story about a Russian who had been in prison during the Holocaust. Years later, one of her captors who actually killed her sister came to one of her Christian talks about reconciliation. And she recognized him. She tells a story that that he reached out his hand to shake her hand. And at first she couldn't. She was thinking, you killed my sister. And then she said that, that, that the, the power of the Holy Spirit came over her, and she said, I have been forgiven so much by God, how can I not forgive this man? And she reached out her hand, and she said it was like electricity, like a bolt of electricity went through both of their bodies, and she forgave him. Sometimes God can work miracles like that, but usually he doesn't. I want you to know that. Usually he doesn't. Usually, usually when we forgive, it's a cost that we pay, sometimes almost daily. We don't make them pay it, we pay it. Just like God didn't make us pay it, he paid it. I read this story about a man who was dumped after he had been engaged, and he said this is what it was like for him. I forgave her, but in small sums over a year, whenever I spoke to her and refrained from rehashing the past, done whenever I saw her with another man, done when I had to renounce jealousy and self-pity, when I prayed for her as she moved into other relationships, Done when I praised her and spoke of her value, though I wanted to slice away at her reputation. Those were the payments, but she never saw them. Little payments. As we decide every day not to hold it against her. Little payments that that say that I'm going to make the payment. I'm not going to hold the debt against you. I'll pay it. You You see, the currency of such payment for these harms that we suffer is wood and cross and blood and it is not easy. It is daily. If it's not miraculous. At a recent visit to the 9-11 memorial, have you been, been there? To the museum itself? It's almost an overwhelming experience, but one thing took my breath away as I walk through that museum underground, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a hunk of iron, and, it, and it's all warped and, and melted. You, you, can, you can tell that that hunk of iron has, has really been through the ringer, see, because of hate. And I don't know how this happened, but there's, there's one page of the Bible that was melted onto that iron. Melted there. To me, it's miraculous. It's like, it's something divine. I don't know how a piece of paper can be fused to a piece of iron, but there it is. And then I read the Bible passage that was fused to the iron. 
And it said this. King James. You have heard that it hath been said. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Once Jesus did that for us. Will you? Amen.